Hello and welcome to Funny Business. A little bit of funny and a little bit of business. It's a lot of bit of everything, isn't it, really? It's a lot of everything, yeah? It's, it's plenty of stuff going on. I'm on saying a little bit, a little bit. Just like, why do I come in like that and just like set the bar have a, low? Of, have a bit of confidence in yourself. Oh, Back yourself. The podcast is booming. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's going all right. If, if you say it, it's true. I think so. You can manif- You believe that, don't you? If you can think it, it happens. Sometimes you're just going to manifest and, and lie. <laughs> and lie to yourself Yeah like look in the mirror And think fuck I'm, I'm looking alright today Yeah Even though I'm not Even though you're not so You just gotta believe it You just gotta believe it Who do we have on the pod? We have a banging guest today Aaron oh. Deering uh, One of the co-founders Of Triangle Swimwear All round legend And I don't know I feel like One of the most honest Real chats I feel like when we get to chat With people on the pod Sometimes we vibe in different ways or mm. we're, we're having to find different ways to connect with people, not saying that we don't enjoy the chats. It's just, <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> I'm not saying, no, I just think that's one of the best things about doing the pod. We get to talk to people yeah. from all walks of life, but I felt like we definitely really spoke the same language as Erin and can um, appreciated her journey and what she's been able to build. And two, now she's, she's a mum of four. She's got some more things coming out next year and, I don't know, pretty inspiring person that has rode the wave of e-com businesses and excited to see what she does next. Hey, it's good, isn't it? Enjoy. Aaron, thank you so much for jumping on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, please tell us who are you and what do you do? Okay. Well, my name's Erin Deering and I am 39. I am the co-founder of Triangle Swimwear. I'm a mother of four. Um, what I do today is mentoring, public speaking, and I'm launching a new business next year in 2024 as well. So a lot, a lot going on. That's me. That's the quickest summary I think I've ever done of myself, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> We're just saying off air, four, four kids, how do yeah. you have time to do anything? You mentioned by 10 o'clock you're already cooked. Like I was saying, I've got one, I'm struggling with one. Oh, you're complaining about everything. You've I, got love one. I love to complain. You know, it's a good thing. You let it out. Complaining is releasing. It's just like getting it out. I'm a complainer too. Um, yeah, look, four kids is a lot. We have help at home, thank God, so that I can work and my husband can work. I had two of my babies during Triangle, so that was pretty crazy. I was... Oscar, especially my oldest, I had him at the peak of our success. So it was kind of just like in the most insane experience. Whereas the other two or the other, yeah, the first two in Triangle, the other two I had during the pandemic. So I had nothing to do. So it was the biggest contrast between how I had them and what I was doing. The other two, I was like, what do I do all day with this baby? Do I walk? Like, do I walk again? Like, how do I do this? Yeah, wild. I feel like it's a lot of activity planning. You do the same, don't you? It's like, we're going to the park tomorrow. We're going to Mopa the next day. Oh, yeah, and boring activity planning too. Like, let's walk and get a coffee. This is weekends for us. Like, let's walk and get a coffee. Let's go to the playground. It takes us up to like a lunchtime situation. We try to get out of the house as late as possible in the morning, so like 10 o'clock. Because on the weekends we try and be slow, and then that way the day's like shrunken already. You're like, oh, it's lunchtime at twelve o'clock. You're like, this went really fast. It is. It's all activity planning. It's keeping everyone busy, and also you kind of, I guess, like enough mentally like stimulated when you've got kids on the weekend. Because it's like, whew, it's hard work weekends with kids. I tell you what, it's hard. Stretching time. There's an art. You know what I mean? <laughs> there is. That. I'm like, if I go to the playground, then I go to the shops. We'll go to Coles. We'll come back. That'll be sweet spot maybe for a nap or whatever. And I'm like, I can't go to the park anymore. I've had enough of the park. Well, oh, my God. Now I'll get you. It's like it doesn't end. And it's so it's the same. They like going to the same park as well. Like you go to a new one and they're kind of like, I want to go back to the one. And you're like, great, cool. And like our park is near my boy's school. So it's just like we're there all the time, like all the time. <laughs> 
it's a bit boring, but you know. Hey, we'll, we'll take us back. Tell us yeah. a little bit about your pathway. How did you get into the world of business? What was your first experience doing stuff in the first place? Yeah. So I, I didn't go to university. I was like mediocre student. Like I probably liked school more for the social aspect of it. So I didn't go to uni, went straight into full-time work, always thought that I wanted to be in fashion. So I kind of thought I'd maybe just work my way up in a fashion business, started off on the shop floor, then got into the back end of business, did marketing, did customer care, did like e-com because like e-commerce was just kind of launching sort of in my mid-20s. So sort of when Triangle started, e-commerce and online stores were such a novelty. So I got into that space, was really liking it. And then I met a guy and he was very entrepreneurial, 10 years older than me, had already had a business and wanted to do another one and kind of said, hey, like, let's start, like, let's start a business together. And coincidentally, our second date was at the beach and I was trying to find a bikini to impress him and I couldn't find one. So I told him that story and he was like, oh, so there's like, you couldn't find bikinis, why not? And I was telling him there was a bit of a gap between surfer brands and really expensive sort of high fashion brands in swimwear and there was a big gap in the middle so we just decided that it'd be well I decided because I had no idea at 27 years old that that we'd start a business I was like that sounds fun like that sounds that sounds like kind of easy you get to be your own boss you don't have to work as hard little did I know it was the hardest thing I've ever done to start Triangle. It was so much work because it was just Craig, my partner, and I, and we had to get a business off the ground, which is actually a real shit ton of work when you when you you know get into it because there's no one else to rely on. You don't get to go home at five. <laughs> you have to stay until the work is done, which was pretty much you know twenty hour days. We were working for a good six months there at Triangle. I feel like Triangle was one of those brands like coming from a couple of blokes. I feel like it's just. Not that we were wearing the triangle bikinis, but <laughs> yeah, like yeah. from like seeing a brand and just seeing it pop up and seeing it yeah. explode like it did, it must have been a pretty yeah. cool ride though. Oh yeah. It was, you know, we're we're referred to as like a unicorn business. And we really were because we were so fortunate to ride the Instagram wave. So they were launching for brands, I guess, again at that time. So they'd launched in 2010 and we launched Triangle in 2012. And try and Instagram started to look to businesses or businesses started to look to Instagram to use as a marketing platform. And we got on that early. And so we saw that that, that was kind of going to be a really great platform for everyone. And we were just launching and we were just trying out a bunch of things. So we were like, let's just see if this works. Let's work really hard at making this strategy because it was the only strategy we had and it was free. Let's work really hard at making this work. And we did. So we had success really, really quickly. You know, it was still six months to a year of and and the whole time we were there was a lot of work, but the success actually did come quite quickly. We were cash flow positive essentially from day one because we had such low overheads because Craig and I did every single thing in the business, which is great, although I probably wouldn't recommend anyone to do that that's over the age of 30 because it's so exhausting and I took years to recover from that mentally and physically because it was just so much work. You mentioned you had your first couple of kids during the build yeah. of this. I feel like uh, uh, from our experience and some of the people we've had on the pod before, it's like you've got a different life of people who are pre-kids, post-kids, or <laughs> yeah. the ch- the challenge of yeah. like doing 20-hour days or being a founder yeah. and having to put that effort in and like, I don't know, it's, it's almost like a luxury sometimes we talk to people who's like, hey, we're up till 4 a.m. staying this thing and then it's like throwing kids in the mix. Oh, yeah. That- 
derail things or like Craig was able to still keep going um I had to take a step back from the business even though we didn't on paper so you know we had Oscar and we absorbed him into what we were doing so we were traveling the world we were doing the photo shoots we were doing the meetings and Oscar just came everywhere you know and so he was on no time zone he just fed every two hours, slept every two hours. He didn't even sleep overnight because, which was horrific, but because we were traveling so much, he didn't have a nighttime block. So he was just on this same 24 hour routine for two years, which broke me, but Craig was okay. And I still managed, you know, with one kid, it was manageable. Um, And it was like, we were, it was such an exciting life. Like we were so successful and so wealthy by then that it was exciting. So we were like, I was exhausted and doing all this work with Oscar, but I was flying first class and staying, you know, in the Maldives with shoots with supermodels. And I was like, this is good. This is fine. This is good. This is great. I'm loving it. But it was so exhausting, you know, like I would have to pull myself away from a boardroom meeting to feed Oscar or in the middle of a photo shoot to feed Oscar. And that was really, really disruptive to my role within the business. And it definitely suffered from that point onwards. And I also just lost a lot of interest in the business because when you become a mum, you know, things kind of shift of like, well, what what do I, what do I want to do in 10 years or five years? And what kind of mum do I want to be? And so your brain just starts thinking about all these different things. Whereas Craig needed to stay focused on the business and was also able to, because he didn't have Oscar with him all the time. Did you so. think you could get to where it did? Like, did you have expectations of what you were trying to make happen? Or like once you, the, no. the snowball started rolling, you're like, no, yeah. fuck, let's, flywheel, let's yeah. just fucking ride, let's ride this. Yeah, it was exactly like that. It was, we originally genuinely wanted to sell one bikini a day. And the reason why we had that figure was because the profit from one bikini a day annually that we'd worked out was it matched the salaries that Craig and I were on in our old roles in Melbourne, the jobs that we had. So we were like, that was kind of our benchmark. We were like, if we can just, and that sounded so achievable and so attainable. And we kind of beat that really quickly in like a month or two, we were doing, you know, four or five sales a day. It was still not crazy initially. We didn't have a big launch. We just grew quickly. Like we scaled quite quickly um, through Instagram and so we, once it started growing, we were just, everything just felt exciting. It was like, oh, now we're at five a day. Oh, and then it was like, oh, now we're at, you know, 50 a day. Oh, now we're at a hundred a day. And so we were just riding it. We had no, it was, it took us because we were in it. it. We would have to actively tell ourselves to kind of zoom out and see what was happening and sort of watch the way Instagram was growing and watch the way girls were just buying into not so much the brand and the product, but the feeling around the brand, this whole sentiment of a bikini that was made in a fabric that no one had seen swimwear really done before and the neoprene and it was all these girls wearing it on the beach and it was this movement that we had with Triangle that kind of happened coincidentally. We never set out to start a movement. That just sort of started to happen. And when it happened, we worked really hard to nurture it because we saw what was going on, but we were never really going, let's get to, you know, $200 $200 million valuation. Like we were never, we that would just kind of start to happen and we'd be like, whoa, whoa, like what are we, like this is great, but what do we do? Like, we, you know, Triangle outgrew me so quickly in terms of my skill set. You know, I went from managing a small business and running a small business, which was totally achievable and enjoyable to suddenly having a multi-million dollar global powerhouse going, I don't really think I'm leveling up to this, which was really hard. And I think a lot of people that scale quickly and 
and have that kind of success, have this challenge of of thinking, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Like I've never made a CEO or I've never managed a team of a hundred or I've never sat in a boardroom with a you know, giant firm with, with like, you know, thousands of people and I'm sitting with the head of the company, you know, like I'm, I've never done that. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I feel silly. It was really weird. There were so many weird experiences in the whole journey that just like we were, I never thought I would be there in that situation ever. What about like work ethic when you start to see things mm. moving and you're like, you th- things are picking up, You, I'm, I'm tipping you're working extra hard. And is it just yeah. like, keep the train on the tracks. Like we got to keep this momentum going. Like we can't yes. stop type of thing. And does it, 100%. how does that end up? Yeah. That was the work ethic thing. Like I was so dead afraid of just, I had no concept of scaling, like of a business doing what it was doing with triangle. So I was terrified that one day we would just wake up and have no sales. Like it just would happen. I didn't, I was like, what's to say people are going to still going to keep wanting buying it. So I keep wanting to buy it. So for me, working so hard to keep the momentum going was all I knew to do. And it kind of came out of a lot of fear of like, if we take our feet off the pedal right now, things are going to fall into a heap. We didn't really see what was happening where it was just a bit of a juggernaut and it was doing its own thing. We were just so, I guess, worried about losing momentum. So we just worked harder than ever at putting out and we had to because we our volume was growing. So we had to get new manufacturers, increase the volume. You know, we had to hire more staff to handle the customer care side of the business. We had to do all these things really quickly whilst also leading the company. And so there weren't enough hours. There literally were not enough hours in the day. There were there were really extended periods of time where I would get up in the morning, pull the laptop onto the bed, start working, and maybe get up for a shower at like 11 a.m., get some food at like 3 p.m., and then, you know, not really move, like not leave the apartment at all, and then fall asleep at sort of 1 a.m. from exhaustion and then wake up again at like 5 or 6 and just do the same thing over and over again because it it wasn't that I, like you know, it wasn't an enjoyable thing really, but there was no one else to do the work and we were scaling so quickly that we had to do it. So it was like we were doing, you know, 10 people's jobs both of us each, just both kind of looking over each other's shoulder every now and again and being like, wow. But also like, this is kind of crazy and not that fun, to be honest. Oh. What about like let, letting go of the responsibility and passing it on and training other people? I'm sure like you, when you're building something, you can control everything. And when you hand yeah. it over to someone, it's it, yeah. it's in their hands and stuff. How was that? process for you guys that is hard when you're scaling as quickly i mean there's two things firstly scaling as quickly as we were we didn't even have time to hire anyone else like the thought of adding in the time to hire and train someone felt so overwhelming and so that took a really long time i mean we had no infrastructure still years and years in we would sit with private equity groups and venture, venture capitalists that always wanted to buy triangle and they'd be like so who's the team like where's the office and we're like where the team it's just us and they were just shocked that we'd grown what we'd grown just the two of us and shocked not even in a kind of a little bit impressed but mainly like this is terrible because you have no infrastructure so that was a real problem for us and secondly it's really hard to let go of the things that you like doing within a business when even though you know you have to step into a leadership role and sort of let go of the doing day to day that I especially found very hard because I didn't know how yet to be a leader and I was really scared to move into a leadership role. I wanted to be in control of doing everything every day because I knew that that was working. Like all the customer care and managing the tone of voice and doing all the Instagram and curating the feeds and 
or finding the girls on Instagram to gift to all the triangle girls was all me. So when I had to give that away to someone else, I was so protective and worried that no one else was going to be able to do it. And that held me back from not only stepping into a more leadership role, but finding good people. So that was very detrimental to not even really to the business because it was doing its thing, but very detrimental to my own growth and also anyone else's growth that came in because I would micromanage everyone that did come in and I'd end up being like, oh, what are you? Like, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And like, you know, so it was really hard, really, really hard to level up when you're in it, especially. Can we get into a bit about like the maybe like lessons and learnings you have from scaling product globally? Like you mentioned before, like scaling so quickly, but also selling it everywhere across the world and being on these different photo shoots and just having to do stuff everywhere. Can you get into maybe like what you, how it was then versus what you think people would maybe do it differently now or how times have changed? Yeah. I mean, you know, back then it was a bit easier because Instagram was such a novelty and there was less saturation in the space generally. Whereas now, you know, you look at what we did, for example, and it just wouldn't have the same cut through because it's what everyone's doing. Like, oh, you gift, you put up nice posts, you do great campaigns, like they're helpful, but now there's so much more personality needed. There's more really considered and individualized marketing needed and and brand awareness and brand identity. Like I think as a brand now, like at Triangle, we launched and we didn't really know what we were and who we stood for and whatever that was. So it kind of just was like, whereas now you have to be so clear, I think as a brand, when you get into the market, you know, what are your values? What is your mission and where do you want to go with it too? Because setting those expectations are really helpful. You know, like if we had been really clear about say that we only wanted to sell one bikini a day, which we kind of were, and then we only did that, we might've still been okay and happy. And it would have been, you know, a lot of people kind of, I think now, especially want to scale really quickly. Everyone wants that because that's what I've seen since exiting Triangle. When people want to talk to me, they're like, how did you get big quickly? Like, tell me, like, tell me your secrets. Whereas my question back is why do you want to get big and scale quickly? Like why? Because it's a lot harder. It's very exhausting. And what is the need to, you know, like we had more money than we ever thought we would have. And it still didn't equate to more joy, more freedom, more enjoyment, you know, more happiness. So now I kind of think that what is what I'm trying to sort of educate people on and what I hope will change, it's not there yet, is that people will start to individualize what they want out of having a business, you know, and like set their expectations and set their benchmarks. And then with that kind of reasonable sort of goal, perhaps in mind, then work back in terms of what you want the business to stand for and what you want it to be and how do you want it to to look, you know, like, do you want to be a brand that's known for, collaborations with other brands do you want to be a brand that's known for standing on your own because your product's amazing or do you want to be a founder-led business where your founder is the why more so than the product that there's a million ways you can go with it now you know you can focus on it being this or that or this or that but you've got to be clear and consistent whilst at the same time be flexible with what's not working like if, if you go to market and you want to be all about the founder and the founder's vision and then the the audience isn't resonating with that you've got to be flexible then to go well, let's change that because the thing is no one cares i personally don't think that you see brands rebrand all the time and no one gives no one cares if a brand totally changes its direction if the direction it's changing to is a good one but they're going to care that, well, they're not going to care. They're not going to even look at you if that direction's terrible and no one's attaching themselves to it. So I think ego has to be parked a lot in business, especially as a founder. If you're doing something that doesn't work, you have to just kind of be like, well, I got that wrong. And then move forward into something that 
is, you know, going to be a little more interesting and aligned because I always say you're as, I always say with fashion brands, especially like you're only as good as your last collection. And so you can put out a shit collection and no one likes it. But if you want after that's bloody amazing, no one cares about the shit one. They just care about the good one that's out. So there's a lot of freedom around that. If people can just let go of their ego and their kind of like how they wanted it to always look like. Oh, I love that. And even you talking about like scaling and, and setting realistic goals with what we're doing, that's exactly the same sort of thing. I think it's a, it's a weird expectation now of like being in the startup space and talking to founders of what they think they have to do, but also like you mentioned some of the conversations you had around like with VCs or private equity or just like mm. people putting these unrealistic expectations on what they think they can achieve versus what it yeah. takes to actually get there. Or And then if you yeah. rewind back, it's like, all right, cool, that's what you're going to be in five years. How are you gonna be, what are you going to be in one? Or, you yeah. know, like, what Everyone wants a shortcut there? as well. Everyone wants a shortcut. And it's like, but why? Because you, if you have a shortcut and you miss all the learnings, you know, people all are always advise against anyone who wants investment straight up when they could probably bootstrap it themselves. Like, why do you want to give away some of your business to someone else who has a different idea potentially of what you want? And then you lose the, because when I got into having a business and I, I wanted freedom and I think most people want that, they perhaps think they want money, but they actually probably mainly want freedom. And so it kind of is like the weirdest thing when you hear people that start a business and then they're like, well, I'm going to bring in investors and give away like percentages. And you're like, but then you've just given away freedom. So like you're going to end up working for someone else, which is kind of the point of why you left your job where you were working for someone else. Like I hear that a lot, but people get so caught up in shortcutting their way to success and to and 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 it's just so risky because it's all the mistakes that we made like at triangle we made some really really huge fuck ups that almost killed the business but you need to have that learning to then get better and not do that next time or at least when it happens again to kind of be like I know how to get through this because I did it last time like you don't want to miss those bits you don't want to play it too safe it's a weird setup I reckon that some founders like the idea of maybe being like a project manager you know, like yeah. it, it's like, hey, someone else will fund this. I'm, a, I'm yeah. in it. I can call myself the founder, but I'm really just. Yeah. And if this I'm goes, I'll, in there. I'll roll me to the next project. I'll do the next yeah. one, you know, but it's uh, oh, yeah. like people who are like dead set, like wanting to bootstrap and get past, past that thing. It's it's a hard slog. I'm sure you would have had moments <sighs> where you're like, should we bring other people in? Is this the right time? And oh, then- yeah. That's why we entertained the whole private equity thing because we were like, maybe we should. And then every time we got to, through the discussions and got anywhere near deals, we would have, Craig and I would have the discussion and we always came back to saying, but what we love the most is that we're the boss and that no one tells us what to do, <laughs> that we're in charge, you know? And like, I love, like that's, I mean, that's what I like as a founder. That's what I value the most is is being able to, have a free day to kind of wake up and be like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. If I don't want to do that, I don't have to, you know, and a lot of people when they get into these roles and they give away percentages, then they suddenly have to be at meetings at nine o'clock and they have to look at sales, you know, projections and make decisions based off, you know, like for me, it's like, I don't, I, I wouldn't care if sales weren't performing. I have no one to add. No one, like there's no one there going, Hey, Aaron, like you didn't do well. It's like me to me. I'd be like, well, I don't care. You know, like, I value that so much and I think that a lot of founders have lost that kind of realisation and they're just going forward with thinking like, and especially people that want to have business and their plans like to to like build it to a certain point and then exit and it's like, and then do what? Like are you going to retire? Like because you're not, especially if, you, if, a, if you're a driven person that wants to work, which most people I think that get into those roles want to, you're just going to start something else again. So like... If you like, I would rather have a business, start a business that goes for 20, 30 years until I retire that I just love doing every day. 
Like that's rather than, because an exit is also really a terrible, not fun experience and takes up a lot of your time and energy. But it seems to be this thing that people are like, okay, so I'm going to start a business and then like three years in, I'm going to exit. And then I'm going to like, and it's just weird because it's like, firstly, your blue sky projections everywhere because you think you're going to exit, you think you're going to scale something. And don't glorify an exit because exits are usually two to five years, especially if you sell to, you know, a private equity investment bank sort of situation. So then you are working for someone for at least two to three years. Like I know people that have just exited or a friend of mine just exited a huge, huge business and he has to work in it for the next two years. So he gets all this money in two years of being a slave to the new team that's coming in and he's hating it. And it's like. You've got to suck it up. You've got to you suck know? it up and if you don't do your things. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's you don't make these... that exit point, you're like, hey, you can't let it fuck up over the next few <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Right. Otherwise you don't. And all these things are written into an exit. Like if sales drop, they're just going to keep discounting your valuation and you could end up absolutely screwing. It's, and that happens a lot. So. I always question people that have these plans to start a business with the plan of exiting because it's just a very risky decision. And also just like you're totally missing the fact of enjoying what you're doing because we work more than we don't work these days. And I know that. And so I'm always like, well, I want to do something then that I love every day rather than plan to exit something in a couple of years, which I know is a lot of heartache coming out in the next few years for me. Oh, I love that. I'd like um, to exit out of this relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you've been hinting for a while. Um, <laughs> what, what about now? Like, what are you What are you interested in now? What brands are you, like, what industries are you interested in? Like, have yeah. your thoughts and stuff that you're really, like, keen on exploring and learning about changed? Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, once I exited Triangle, I promised I'd never start another brand. I was like, no, I'm done. And now I'm starting another brand next year. So that's in fashion. So... It was something that I tried to ignore and when anyone would ask me like, oh, you know, I was like, no, I don't, fashion's a hobby. It's not a job. I don't want to do it. Now I'm doing it. So that's, I'm, I'm as much excited about having a clothing brand again as I am about setting up a team in the right way and setting up the culture because these are things that I never got to do at Triangle. And I'm just so excited to, to, to work in an environment that I love with a group of people that are really aligned and everyone really enjoying what they do. And I think that that's going, I mean, it's an experiment because you never know, um, but that's really exciting. And it really energizes me more than I was kind of expecting it to. So that's, that's, that's next year. So that'll launch next year. And then I've been mentoring since I left triangle and moving into that space is I'm actually about to partner up with a platform that will bring mentoring to sort of, I guess, a more mainstream group of people. I think that it's such an underserviced industry um, and people just want advice from people all the time and people want to give it as well. Like I find that other founders, you know, that have, everyone has a great story and especially founders that have been through it are so eager to share it because we're all like, we were like you and we want to tell you how it is. So that's a real passion of mine. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that as well with these guys and that'll go to market next year too. And that's, you know, because for me, the thing about business that I'm the most passionate about is teaching people to just like scale back and have a happier life. And I think that, you know, the world's in a really chaotic place at the moment and and people have really lost their way in terms of just really simple kind of, oh, what do I like doing every day? And like, what do I want in my life? And like, yeah, we're, we're all watching on social media, everyone with the, you know, 10 cars and crazy houses. And that's always been the case, but it's more than ever seeing that. 
And it's like, it's not what everyone wants. And then sometimes people think they want it and they get it. And then usually not happy because, you know, if you're not happy in the first place and then you get all these beautiful things around you, you're just going to be an unhappy person with these things around you. They're not going to make you happy. And so I'm really passionate about teaching people about that as well. And just in a really pragmatic way, because it's also nice to be wealthy because I sit here saying all of this while I am wealthy. So I'm aware of that. Like, it's like, it's nice to have financial freedom with the wealth around me. But I also know that I only enjoy that because I am happy. And if I wasn't, I would still find myself feeling like I was in a bit of a jail with money. So teaching people all of these things and in a way that's commercially viable as well, because people do want to have nice things and people do want to have a house or have money to be able to travel or have money to put their kids through a really nice life or whatever it is for everybody. But I think we're all still looking at what everyone else has and thinking, oh, I I think I want what they have rather than going, what do I want in my life? Really simple stuff. And I think social media is just, whilst it's been an amazing tool, has really fucked us in terms of no one really knows what they stand for anymore. Like none of us do. We're all just like, "Eh, what, who? (laughs) So getting people to unlock that again is like really fun and I really enjoy it. I love it. It is about the journey, you know, us, like I even think about us just building the podcast and that and you refer back to starting up and and how different things were. And I think like you have to go through all them experiences, like you were saying before, Mm -hmm. like all the fuck ups, all the failings, all the stuff, like shortcutting that stuff. What's the point? Yeah. yeah, like what's the point? Like, what are you even yeah. doing? You know, yeah. like, and like waking up and knowing that we just get to talk with cool people like yourself all the time. It's like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like that, we're happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Right. You're looking, you're going, you're going, maybe not. Don't say we. Don't say we. It's fucking hard work. I'll give you the hot tip. Nah, he's all right. Uh, he's right. Like <laughs> I, um, we, we before we start doing the pod, we live together with our partners and sort of like a sitcom sort of thing. So I feel like yeah. all, we all slept in the same bed. It was weird. It was a big bed, big queen. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, what about some <laughs> other brands that you like that are doing good stuff at the moment? Are there any other brands outside ones that you're directly involved with that you think, fuck, I like how they're doing stuff, whether it's their marketing, whether it's what they stand for, whether it's product? Yeah, I mean, I'm huge on consumer brands and and brands that do really, really good marketing and, and in a really impactful big way. I'm not, I'm pretty like surface level when it comes to what I like. I should be a little more into brands that are going to heal the world, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I mean, the brands that are like, ah, blah, blah. but I really like probably at the moment, the, and I is probably, I have a personal investment in them, not personal investment, but I'm interested in them personally, is um Rose by Hayley Bieber. And it's more... It's they're the most interesting marketing case that I'm looking at at the moment because back in the day it used to be Glossier and so this was back when Triangle launched and they're probably one of the biggest Instagram social media brands in the world and they just nailed their marketing on a whole on a level that the world had never seen before and there's actually a book about them that I'm reading at the moment which is not the most positive storybook because they scaled so quickly and they brought a big team in and apparently they didn't set it up very well and all of this stuff. Um, but they're, they're probably my number one glossier from like ages ago, but I think Rhoda kind of doing a new version of that. And it's, it's really interesting because obviously Hayley Bieber is a celebrity face. And so, you know, and she's invested in the brand and she's got part of the brand, but it's got dermatologists backing it. They also have been really clever. They started with a whole skincare range and then, and this is why I like, this is why I like them so much. Cause I'm just watching everything that they do and everything's so beautiful as well. Mind you, it's probably why their aesthetics are on point whilst everything else is also really, really carefully considered because you can't just do one or the other at the moment. And they have this lip 
treatment and it became their kind of viral thing. It went viral. They had heaps of other skincare, but their peptide lip treatment was really popular. So they've just gone hard on that. They've you've just watched them kind of just change and they've released it in like four colors. They did a collaboration with Krispy Kreme. They've always got, they've got Haley on there. But if you notice the way the brand is evolving, it is moving a little bit away from Haley because they know that they need to move away from her to stand alone, even though it is her name. Um, but they know they need to do it and they're just doing it in the most clever, brilliant way. Yes, it's a very, very expensive looking brand and they're investing really hard in making it look like that. But when you can have that aesthetic and have substance behind it, that's when you've really struck gold. I mean, they have a mil- they've grown to a million followers on Instagram. Their, uh, their sales look strong. I do think they've got a long-term vision. They're not just trying to kind of cash grab now. They did launch and sell out of things many times, which I guess is that scarcity strategy. However, they swear that that wasn't their strategy. And I I like any brand that tests things like that. So I don't know if it was a test or not. Maybe it was. They're amazing. Um, And they're probably my number one brand that I'm looking at just in terms of marketing and branding because they are being really, even though they they've they've used, it's almost like Haley's involvement is detrimental to them in a way of being considered a brand that's going to stick around. And I think they've actually successfully navigated away from that, which is why I just think it's so genius because initially everyone would have come to follow them for that reason. And now everyone's coming to kind of respect them for what they're doing and in their own way. Um, They're kind of my number one brand that I'm watching at the moment in that respect. I like beauty brands the most when I watch them because I think they have the most fun and they take the most risks with marketing. I think fashion apparel never does. They just kind of are like, here's an outfit. And there's nothing like really clever, I think. And I think that's why you see skincare and beauty just is the biggest booming market in consumer goods because they're the ones that take the biggest risks and and really try to move the needle in terms of understanding what their consumer wants. So they're my number one at the moment. I love that shit. All the rule breakers doing stuff that hasn't been done before. I just love anyone that thinks outside the square like that because so many people don't because they're afraid of getting it wrong or they just like a lot, you know, everyone just does the same. Like, I mean, I get it all the time, the same like email, like we want to send you a gift and and it's just like you could do something different, you know. Small brands could could do different little things because small brands like Road is a different example because they launched onto the market massively. But there are small brands that are emulating that. And there's 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 so many smaller ones that are getting a good enough piece of the pie that are probably using a lot of tactics that Road do. I just reference Road as like they're the they're the absolute king of it. And if you just like looked at their strategy and pulled out different things that potentially could work for you. I mean, it's the best thing to do for a brand is just to be referencing other brands and looking at what they do and then going, wow, that's really cool that they did that. I might try something similar, you know, like it's so, that's why I love consumer products so much because you literally got the blueprint in front of you everywhere you turn of what not to do because you see so many brands that are just doing shit and then of what to do as well. Like, it's just like, it's not like tech where it's all bloody unknown and you're all, you know, it's so much easier when it's a consumer product because there's so many out there that we can reference in terms of what we want to do with our own brand. A question we ask all our guests is a bit of a, a bit of a mental health one. What do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Mm, um, I exercise a lot early, so I'm up and out the door, sort of in work. You know, train at sort of six a.m. every morning, and that's my me time. So when I get home from that, I can hang out with the kids for a few hours and 
really set my day up. So then when I'm ready to sort of work at sort of 9am, I've like ticked all those boxes. I think for me, I'm a real morning person. So a productive morning is going to set me up for the day. Um, And then other things that I do to give me back energy is I do a lot of spiritual work. So I do a lot on my mind and my body, body work and things that just help me process what happens in life. There's nothing too crazy. Like I'm not that far gone in the spiritual realm because I'm just too commercial to go there. I'm too business-like. But I really like being able to understand why I acted certain ways and learn from that because I think it's so applicable to how I run my business as to how I manage my mental health and how I manage knowing what triggered me and why I did that and why this is coming up for me and all of those things. So I do that a lot. Um, I go through periods where I do it more than more than I don't. Um, but yeah, I do like I probably once or twice a month I'll do something spiritual to kind of just keep me, you know, on path, as they say. Have you tried the float tanks before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? They're good. They're good. I have, I've done a couple of them. Um, the, I remember the first one just kind of being like, you kind of get in there and you're like, oh, and you just can feel how tense you are because you're like, yeah. and, and getting really, like, I get really mindful of like, where am I in the tank? <laughs> like, am I, yeah, yeah. Am I down here? Am I up there? And then you can kind of ease into it. They're quite good. Well, They're what, actually like a really, really good one for clearing your mind. I do like What year were you working there? What was your, what, oh, you know, what was your job title? What was your job oh, title? Float facilitator, customer connector. But that was the <laughs> best. When you, when you were talking about the stuff around like thinking about how you act in a certain way, I found that it's the only time where you can just, you're literally just floating like a soccer ball in the ocean. And it's like, you can actually think about stuff and I, I always feel like leaving something like that, like real clear in the mind. You oh know? yeah, 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 yeah. And because it's so interesting what comes up when you're in when you're in situations like that. Because it'll be something that you don't think that would have been worthy of coming up, and you're like, "All right, I guess I have to deal with this." Like, why am I thinking about this? And it's never things like, "What do I have to do after this?" It's like, "Oh, three weeks ago, I remember saying this," and you're like, "Ah, I can't escape that energy. I have to think about it." It's all those big tasks that you do and you do everything else besides the big tasks. Like, you know, you're procrastinating by like cleaning the whole house b- before doing like the tasks that you're meant to oh do. Oh my God, I, I know. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And it's like written at the top that you have to do it like underlined and you're like, I'm not going to do you. I see you, but I'm going to ignore you. The house is clean. The fridge is clean. Yeah. We're all good. You know what's so funny about the, the float tank thing? This is nearly a decade ago now and we were, li- yeah. we were living together at the time. I was working in like corporate consulting type stuff and Locke was doing that Tucking in his polos and he yeah. would come home and he'd be doing he'd work for the thing and then do like a two-hour float every day and come home like fucking. Oh, why are you all so stressed out for man just chill <laughs> you know <laughs> he's doing his masters and i was like Honestly, I re- I re- what are you studying for i reckon man? you're the most <laughs> relaxed out person in australia there for like six months yeah. no one had ever been as relaxed as you were hey good life you know <laughs> that is nice if we could only float for two hours a day all of us the world would be a really nice place to live Hey, we're getting to the pointy end of the year. What are you excited about for the rest of the year, this year and what can we expect to see at the start of next? Um, end of this year, Christmas, obviously. So everything's getting set up tomorrow, December 1 for the kids. So that's always super fun, like Christmas carols and using the Santa bribe. Like <laughs> Santa won't bring you a present if you don't eat your vegetables, which <laughs> I'm starting late this year, to be honest. That's usually when you've got to start in November. Um, so looking forward to Christmas. We've got like family holiday over Christmas, New Year's, which will be really relaxing. And then next year, I'm just straight back into work. I launched my brand in August next year. The mentoring platform will launch, sort of go to market in March. So I've got a really busy work year, but I'm really excited for it. All my kids are starting to get a little bit older. 
Um, I feel like I turn 40 next year as well. And I just feel like the my 40s are going to be such a, which makes me sound really old when I think about talking like this about it. But like, I'm really excited for my 40s. I just feel like you learn so much in your 30s. They're so fucked. And then you get into your 40s and you're like, okay, now I'm a grown up. Now I actually can do shit. So I'm really excited to see what I can do in my 40s. Hey, well, thank you so much for jumping on and letting us pick your brain and also being so honest and I feel like this has been such I'm a fun charged day. up. I've got the energy today. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the V or the float tanks. I don't know what Combo. I'm doing. Huh? <laughs> Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks, guys. Al Bradford. What? Do you reckon that you could make uh, be a good Instagram page if you just wore triangle swimwear? You know, it was just like different sh- different – Things of you, like Britney. Have you seen the Britney Spears videos on her Instagram lately? No. They're out of control. What's going on? She just looks a bit like a bit out there. And I feel yeah. like if you recreated her videos in Triangle Swimwear, I reckon we'd go viral. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Baby one more time type of setup. Or something like that, yeah. I don't know if we'll go viral. I reckon people would probably be just... I don't know if Weirded they'd follow. Out. They'd watch it, but they we wouldn't would, follow. We wouldn't have much work for the Dream Big Social Club, would we? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But... Triangle, honestly, we were talking about it in the chat, but since it sort of started with the Instagram rise and stuff, it's always been like in our world, I feel a like. A big and brand, the, huge yeah, monster. Massive. Monster. And I feel like the next chapter for Aaron's just going to be even bigger, which is exciting. And to do it all, juggling the family and doing all that sort of stuff, because like that is life, isn't it? Family, kids, building a business, bit of purpose, all that good stuff. But I don't know, really enjoyed it. And I know you did too. I did too, mate, for sure. Hey, if you're new to the funny business or if you're a long-time listener and you've yet to share this episode with a friend or any of our episodes, hit that share button. goes a long way to supporting the growth of the show and it doesn't take much. And you know what? If you do listen to all the time, we put this content out for fucking free. <laughs> hit the share button, send it to a friend. Hey, funny business listeners, Caleb from SquareX here. I just wanted to jump on and let you guys know at the end of this app, SquareX is currently open for investment. So if you're interested in learning more about what we do at SquareX and want to get involved in the digital future of the agricultural supply chains, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or to the Dream Big Social Club team to learn more.